0: We must realize that we may also misread the nonverbal communication of others. It's one thing to grant that others err in understanding our actions, but for some reason we're reluctant to take seriously our own potential for misjudging the action of others. All too often, we quickly and Dogmatically assume that we've actually heard what the other person didn't say through their nonverbal behavior. For example, we may have heard what the other person didn't say when we think that they are questioning our actions but we might not think to question in, in our interpretation of why another person might think wrongly about our actions perhaps someone else did something and what he meant by it is what he thinks about but the way we interpret it may be completely different. We're sure we figured it out. How could we be wrong in the way we interpret the actions of others? Others have been wrong about us in our pride. That's the way we think. We seldom consider that we could be just as wrong about their actions. Through sad experience, we learn that we are not always accurate in our assessment of others or certainly they're not accurate in their assessment of us. We convince ourselves that we're right in the way we think about others when our actions are proving just the very opposite. At least that's what they think. And so we act and react accordingly. In an article entitled How We Send Emotional Messages Ernst Baer graphically illustrates how easily we can mistake the messages people are conveying non-verbally. He says we asked several people to act out different moods and then we videotaped them as they acted out their moods the moods that we had them act out were not with words but with their actions or with the expressions on their faces anger fear seductivity indifference happiness and sadness and then he says, we let our subjects review their portrayals and eliminate any that they thought were unrepresentative unre- of what they were really feeling. And then he says, when we played these videotapes to large audiences to discover if they could decode the moods intended we found that everyone appears to send out misinformation. I shall never forget the examples of this discordance, says this man. One girl who tried to show by her attitude and by expressions, not with her words, but with her actions, that she was angry or fearful or seductive or indifferent and happy and sad. The way it happened to her judges was that no matter where she set the thermostat in terms of her mood or attitude, her emotional climate was always interpreted as being angry or another girl, it was always that she was being seductive. Invariably impressed, the judges saw one as being angry and the other as being seductive. Even when she wanted to be angry, to display anger in her attitude and her expressions, they whistled at this woman as though she was being seductive. Imagine going around like that with people interpreting that you're being seductive no matter what you did. Everyone always interpreted her in one way, in a way that was different from what she was intending to communicate. Another girl invariably impressed her judges as being a certain attitude, as having a certain attitude. And even when she wanted to be angry, that girl, they whistled at her and thought she was being seducted. So nonverbal communication is continuous, it's powerful, and it is and can be easily misunderstood. Consequently, if we're going to build our families God's way, we must work at carefully sending and receiving nonverbal messages. Families are often devastated by failure in this aspect of their relationships. I say, don't let it happen to you. Now, in keeping with uh, this matter of sending nonverbal messages, we think we're sending one message and others are seeing it another way. If we're going to build our families God's way, we must work at carefully sending and receiving nonverbal messages. Families are often devastated by failure in this aspect of the relationships. Now, here's what I want you to do I want you to answer some questions. First of all, what did Jay Adams say about communication? Does it come last, second, or third, or does it come first? He said it comes first. Why did he say that? Why did he say communication comes first? And why is our nonverbal communication so important? Why do we so often misread the nonverbal communication of others, but fail to understand that we sometimes send messages that are being wrongly understood as well. Well, what is the general definition? How would you define it? Effective communication. How do you know you're communicating effectively? What does Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 indicate Is happening when you're communicating effectively and then also consider what happens when people are not communicating effectively how does it affect your relationship and I want you to evaluate your family communication in terms of the elements of your definition. If your definition of effective communication is the proper one, how does your family rate in terms of communication? I want you to study now. At this point, I want someone to write down the verses that I'm going to mention. And then after I mention the verses, I want you to look up these verses and I want you to notice in these verses what these scripture passages indicate about nonverbal communication. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28 is a verse I've already mentioned. Read it. And what would, if somebody was stealing from you taking something from you that really doesn't belong to them, how would that affect your relationship with that person? Think about it. Are there ways in which you're communicating to others something that hinders your relationship? What may those things be that you're doing that hinders your relationship In the family. Here are some Bible verses I want you to look up and I want you to write down and then discuss what you learn about nonverbal communication from these Bible verses. First is Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. What do you learn about nonverbal communication from what Adam and Eve did at that point? A second is Genesis chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Genesis chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. What does, what Cain did in this particular instance tell you about his nonverbal communication and the way it was interpreted by you or by others that may have seen it. And then look at Genesis chapter 37 and verse 3. Read it and then tell what you see that verse saying about nonverbal communication. Another passage is Genesis chapter 40. Genesis chapter 40, verses 6 and 7. What does that passage have to say about nonverbal communication? And then, having looked up Genesis chapter 40, verses 6 and 7, discussed what it says about nonverbal communication, turn to Joshua chapter 7 and verse 6. And again, what does that passage, Joshua 7 and verse 6, Say about nonverbal communication. And then turn from the book of Genesis to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. And notice what that passage says about nonverbal communication. And then move from 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 4 through 10 to 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 4. And again, note what it says about nonverbal communication. And then let's move on from there, from 1 Samuel 18 and verse 4 to 1 Kings chapter 19 and verses 3 and 4. What's that passage indicate about nonverbal communication? And then move from 1 Kings chapter 19 to 1 Kings chapter 21 and verse 4. What does that passage tell you about nonverbal communication? And then move from 1 Kings 21 and verse 4 to Proverbs chapter 4 verses 25 and 26. And again, think and discuss what that passage indicates about nonverbal communication. And then move over to Proverbs chapter 7, verses 6 through 9. What does that passage indicate about nonverbal communication? What was that woman communicating by the way that she dressed? And then Proverbs chapter 7 Verses 10 through 13. Again, what does that do those verses say about nonverbal communication? What do you learn about nonverbal communication from those verses in Proverbs chapter 7, verses 10 through 13? And then move from there to Proverbs chapter 31, verses 12 through 27. Proverbs 31, verses 12 through 27 Answered the same questions there. What do you learn about nonverbal communication by studying those verses? What do you see there? And then from there, go to Mark chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Again, in Mark chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, what we're looking for is, what do these verses tell us about nonverbal communication? And then while we're in the book of Mark, let's move from chapter 2 and go to the book of Luke, which is right next door, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And then go to Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 35. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 35. Read those verses and answer the questions. What do you learn from these verses about nonverbal communication? And then, staying in the book of Luke, let's move to Luke chapter 15. Verses 3 and 4 and verse 8 and verse 20. Luke 15, 3 and 4. Luke chapter 15, verse 8 and verse 20. Again, answering the same questions. What do these verses indicate about nonverbal communication? And still staying in the book of Luke, go to Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 13. And notice what these verses tell you about nonverbal communication. Learn what you can about nonverbal communication from Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 13. And then another very important verse in terms of learning about nonverbal communication is 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17 1 John 3 and verse 17 what do you learn about nonverbal communication from that verse now developing marital and family unity requires accurately sending and accurately interpreting or receiving the right kind of nonverbal messages So complete the assignments by looking at those verses, learn everything you can about nonverbal communication from those verses, and then discuss these verses with the others who are in your family or in the same Bible study group or with another family member, and Identify what comes out of your discussion. What do you learn about your nonverbal communication and the nonverbal communication of others? What do you find here that's important for your own life and family in terms of communication nonverbally? How do you send messages, messages, how do you need to improve in the area of nonverbal communication with other members of the family or with some people who are part of your Bible study group or or part of the same class or of uh, of people that you're involved with and be ready to share your insights what you're learning about your nonverbal communication and the message that others are sending to you nonverbally. And then make a list of eight or nine nonverbal ways of communicating with another person. How do you communicate nonverbally? How do you read the Communication of others. How do they send messages to you? What are some of the nonverbal behaviors? Think about this and talk about it with others in your group. What nonverbal behaviors often hinder the development of a deep and satisfying relationship? What do you see happening in the terms of nonverbal communication? that either hinders or helps in building deep, satisfying relationships, deep friendship. Now, what nonverbal behaviors may enhance oneness, closeness to another person? And closeness in terms of the family and in terms of marriage as well. What nonverbal communication would have a positive influence on your relationship with other people? And then what I want you to do is identify your most problematic nonverbal behaviors and explain how some of the things that you do may help good family relationships or Identify how some of the things that you may do or may not do. It can work either way. Your nonverbal communication can either be helped by what you do or it can be hindered by what you don't do or by what you do. What are some of those problematic nonverbal behaviors that cause people to move away from others and to lose emotional oneness, to think well of the other people, person, and to want to be their friends. And then, what do you consider to be the most common, problematic nonverbal behaviors that one family member may Communicate to other family members. What are some of the nonverbal communication efforts, either what is done or what is not done, that cause people to have problems in terms of their relationship with other people? And then identify personally each of you. The nonverbal behaviors that you do that promote good family relationships. What are the nonverbal behaviors or communication efforts you're doing that really enhance or promote good relationships with other members of the family? All right. That's What you didn't say, I hear. What are people hearing through your behavior in terms of um, what you think about them, what you feel about them, what you want to happen in your relationship with them? What are they learning? What are they hearing through your nonverbal behavior? What Aspects of your nonverbal behavior are hindering closeness in the family relationship, are hindering a positive impact that you may have on those other people. Well, people are hearing what you're not saying. Sometimes they're hearing it accurately. Sometimes they're misreading what you're doing. You don't really mean certain things that they think they mean? What are those things that are being misunderstood? You can't change, you can't improve in that area of communication unless you identify what it is that you're communicating that would hinder deep relationships, would that would hinder your having a positive impact on other people, or what it is that really causes people to move away from you. Let me give you an example. Uh, Some time ago, this was a long time ago, we were having a family get-together, and at that point, our son, who was probably only four or five years of age at that point, he said something, and the other people part of the family heard what he said and they began to laugh. And I happened to be sitting uh, across from my son at that point and I saw the way that he was interpreting the laughter of the other people. It was hurting him. He thought they were making fun of him. He thought they were putting him down. And... As I watched him, I said to him, because I saw how he was reacting to what the others were doing, their laughter. He said, uh, I said to him, uh, They're not laughing at you. That's the way I saw he was interpreting it. They're laughing with you. And my son looked at me and he said, They're not laughing with me. They're laughing at me. I know that because I'm not laughing. And so we have to be aware of the fact how what we do is often interpreted by other people, even if, honestly, we don't mean it that way. We need to be aware of the impact, the influence of nonverbal behavior and seek to identify anything that we may be doing which may be ha- hindering our positive impact on other people. This may be hindering our relationship with them. And then we need to think about what we can do in a nonverbal way to communicate that we love them, to communicate that we care for them. And we need to practice doing those positive nonverbal efforts of communication constantly because when we do that, we will be putting ourselves in a position where we can be useful in edifying and helping them to grow. Or as Ephesians 4.29 says, we can help them to experience the help and, and the grace of God. What can we do? to put off wrong kinds of nonverbal communication, wrong actions that we either do or things that we don't do, uh, which may hinder our positive family relations. Nonverbal communication is powerful It's continuous. We're constantly sending it. And we need to uh, make sure that we're sending the message clearly and it's being heard accurately. I remember some time ago, as an illustration of the impact of nonverbal communication, I came home one day and I had had a lot of... uh, um, I was teaching and counseling and I had been involved in trying to help people who had some very serious problems. And uh, I came home and I was thinking about um, how um, these people were being distressed and people needed help and thinking about how I could help them. And I came into my, my house... And my oldest son was sitting there. At that point, I suppose he was 12 or 13 years of age. And uh, I was uh, not at all upset with him. I wasn't uh, concerned about him at that point. I was thinking about the other people that I'd been trying to help. And so I was rather uh, serious looking and rather uh, silent in terms of what I was doing. I walked into the home, and when I went to my son on my way to another room, as I passed him, he looked at me and he said, What's the matter, Dad? What's the matter, Dad? And what he was thinking because um, of the expression on my face, and because I was not... uh, didn't look very cheerful. He thought he must be upset with me. Maybe I did something wrong. And what that challenged me at that point, because my son being very sensitive in that way, it challenged me at that point uh, when I come home and I come into the presence of that boy. I need to be sure that I don't communicate to him that I'm really worried or I'm concerned, even if it's not about him. And he asked the Lord to help me to show a more cheerful attitude, be more uh, positive in terms of the way I acted toward him, the way I even greeted him, lest he would misunderstand and think that I was upset with him when indeed I wasn't really upset with anybody. I was just concerned about trying to help these people who are having some serious problems in their lives. But, so when I'm coming home from the office after counseling, I spend some time praying and asking God to help me that when I get home, I don't come into the house and others think I'm upset with them because I am somewhat Concerned about some of the people that I'm working with. My concern at that point is not with the people in my house, not with my son, not with my wife or anything. I need to ask the Lord to help me not to communicate to them that I'm down, that I'm upset with them because nonverbal communication when they interpret it, especially if they interpret it wrongly, can be misunderstood, but it's also powerful. And so what I've done is encourage my son and other members of the family that if they think that something that I'm not doing or something that I am doing communicates to them that I'm angry with them, that I'm upset with them, I've asked them to help me by letting me know. And as my son did on that occasion, I wouldn't have known what he was thinking unless he asked me, Dad, what's wrong? And when he asked me what was wrong, I then became aware of the fact that the way I was acting at that point, the way that I was uh, looking at that point, the expression on my face, walking by him without cheerfully saying hello or whatever, was uh, uh, communicating with him, but it was communicating something that was not true. And the point is that if our family is receiving messages, even if they're not true, they will be affected by them. And so we need to encourage them to be openly communicating with us as you can't correct a wrong thought if they don't give it to you. But you also ask the Lord to help us to be aware of what we may be communicating by the expression of our faces, by the way we greet them and ask the Lord to help us to be the way that we should be and relate to them in the way that we should relate to them so that we could have a positive relationship with them and have a positive impact on them for Christ. Nonverbal communication is powerful, it's important and it's going on all the time or a lot of the time at least. And so we need to be aware of that and ask the Lord to help us not only with our verbal communication, which we're going to study more about as we go on with these podcasts, but that we might be aware that we're communicating non-verbally. We have silent communication by our actions, which will either have positive influence on others and our relationship with them, or will have a negative influence on others and our relationship with them.